0: hey hey everybody welcome back to another opportunity for lead ministry live my name is josh denhart super excited that you're here not only is this lead ministry live this is also the lead volunteers podcast we're super super grateful that you folks can join us today hey listen today's episode is brought to you by none other than The Amazing Chemistry Show. So that's one of the things that I do is The Amazing Chemistry Show. 32-foot stage production, fire, explosions, foam, all set to music. Very clear presentation of the good news of Christ. Travel all over the country. I have counted two more live events and then my summer, my time off begins. So The, the Amazing Chemistry Show. If you were to go to KidmanScience.com, you can find out more about the Amazing Chemistry Show. I get lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of bookings all year long. But gang, today we have a special guest with us today. His name is Nick. Nick, so glad that you're here today. Nick Blevins, give us just a quick shout out, Nick, and tell us a little bit about
1: who you are. Sure. Hey, Josh, thanks for having me today. Yeah, my name is Nick Blevins. I'm a next-gen pastor at Community Christian Church in White Marsh, Maryland. Uh, My wife and I have three kids. And our church is turning 16 years old. It was planted back in 2006. Uh, coming up in March, and and sometimes it feels like it was like a few days ago that we started it, and then right. sometimes it feels like it's been 40 years.
0: That's right. <laughs> you know. Now, have you been have you been with the church since its inception?
1: I have, yep. Wow. I have started in children's ministry. Leading children's ministry is kind of like a, a, I was the outsider in a sense. Most of our church staff came from a larger mega church. Our pastor was the student pastor there for a number of years, I think 14 years. And so I was kind of like the guy coming in from the outside. I was sort of like the uh, intern, let's see if this guy's okay. Children's pastor as we launched. And we were a larger church plant than normal because of that sending church. Right. And then, cha- you know, different roles over time. But yeah, 16 years coming up. Wow.
0: Okay. Names and ages of your kids. Just quick. I want to hear this.
1: Isaac is eight, almost nine. Mackenzie just turned six and Paige, our youngest, just turned three.
0: Oh man. The three, that's my favorite. They're able to say stuff, but they go ahead.
1: Yep. Yeah, she's so cute. And she's, you know, been out of diapers for a while. So as a dad, that's like my mile marker right there. In fact, my family's talking about getting a dog again. And for a long time, my thing was, I need everybody in the house not pooping in their pants before we get a dog. Yes, who poops on the floor. So so in fact, right now, as we speak, my wife sent me a text with a dog that we could adopt and I'm, I'm getting them every week now.
0: That is fantastic. Well, three is always a fun age, right? Because they're able to articulate themselves, but they say stuff in a way that is not completely proper. And so it's very, very, very funny. So, but grateful that you're here, Nick. Uh, We're talking today about increasing volunteer commitment. This isn't something we talk a ton about. We're always talking about maybe people are talking about recruiting or they're talking about retaining, but talking about increasing the threshold at which somebody is going to serve. So I'm excited about that about that today. Well, gang, um, on the podcast and on the lives, you know, we have three big buckets for you to kind of make sense of what we're talking about. Let's define it. Let's develop it. And then finally, Nick is going to help us kind of land the plane and let's do it. So Nick, we're talking today about frequency. Am I right?
1: Yes. And and when you talk volunteer commitment, it could be a number of different things because you could talk about somebody who just shows up and they're not very committed. They just kind of check the box versus somebody who like takes ownership. Like one of our staff values is to think like an owner, not an employee. That could be commitment, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about. Frequency. I say frequency because I'm talking about the frequency at which a volunteer serves. Do okay. they serve once every four weeks? Do they serve every week? And there's just a big difference between those two or any other version, you know, maybe this month on month off, uh, the more frequent a volunteer serves, usually, the more committed they are. I would agree. And,
0: uh, and not only is it important for the volunteer, and you can see them kind of come into their own, they have more ownership, there's tons to talk about that. But it's truly better for the body as well, whether it's better for a kid in kids ministry, whether it's better for a student in student ministry, or even somebody who is in a once a month greeter role versus this is their door every single week. It makes a difference for the entirety of the system to have uh, consistency and continuity, right? Well, in, you know, you, It does. Yep. yeah, go ahead.
1: go ahead. I was going to say that we, every ministry probably has different roles where, you know, a weekly commitment maybe isn't what's needed. And maybe that, and now I would argue, like you said, even with a guest services or a greeter, there's power, you know, in somebody being sure there every week, but certainly anybody that's leading directly with kids or students. I think about my son, Isaac, when he was four, in our preschool ministry, he had a weekly leader named Chris, and that made a huge difference in his life. Now, how many, you know, how hard is it to get weekly small group leaders in preschool? Really difficult. But, you know, over years, we were able to get there. And I remember yes. when we saw Chris one time at the soccer field and Isaac was so excited. Was like, here his small group. Here's the small group leader that he knows. And somehow he exists outside of church. Like, right. You, I didn't, I thought you lived there. You know what right. I mean? And that was just, this is awesome for Isaac, you know, the relationship they had for that one year.
0: Exactly. And you know, Nick, what I decided to do when I first started, I took a, I took about a year to observe the previous system. Uh, there's a lot of things that I shook up right away, but the very first year when it came to um, Sunday school and things like that, I just I just kind of observed, and then I radically shook it up and I said, I'm not I'm like the expectation is for a school year commitment, forty weeks a year. And I had so many people come up and say that's you're gonna fail at this. And I said, well, then I'm gonna fail trying. Uh, because I felt it was important, as you said, for a young kid to not have to relearn the rules of the, who the teacher was, right? Or who the small group leader was. Because it's the subtle things, right? This, this small group leader doesn't allow for, you know, uh, moving around. This small group leader really likes assigned seats. They want to make sure that everybody's sitting in the same place for their, for whatever reason. My point is, it takes, t- it k- takes kids time to learn a new person. And I don't want that. I want them yes. to have emotional safety. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, yeah. And like emotional safety is a good way to say it because there's different benefits from that weekly volunteer depending on the age, right? Like if you're a high school leader, and I know this is mostly children's ministry folks listen to this, uh, that re- depth of relationship that happens for that weekly, that leader shows up every week, the trust that's built is so important for the conversations, for that student, that teenager to be it, o- honest and vulnerable. But for like Paige, it's just helpful just to get her to stay in the room every week and not cry, which was a real thing for us right. coming back from the pandemic.
0: Yes. Beyond yeah. that, I mean, something something even as simple as your, your normal check-in volunteers, maybe you've got a computer check-in system. That alone, having consistency and ownership, troubleshooting stuff. And somebody's like, dude, I do this, you know. I do this 11 times a year and there's one time a year where I'm gone. They just don't do it enough in order to have proficiency. And so frequency That's true. is a huge thing. Um, you know, when you said, as we were talking about this, that we get what we expect. Kind of talk about that a little bit.
1: We do. We totally get what we expect. I think about it like on a positive note. I mentioned that my pastor was a student pastor for 14 years at this church. When he got there, it was 300. And then when we planted our church, it was 3000. So that student ministry grew to over 300. And he just he led an amazing student ministry there. And one thing he would tell you from all his le- years leading student ministry yeah. was that even with teenagers, he, a teenager always stepped up when he you know called them up to something bigger. Like they never disappointed individually, not in a group but individually, and that's just part of this principle, we get what we expect. If the bar is here, yes, there's some amazing leaders in our church who are always going to be a little above the bar. That's how they are their whole life, right? Right. That's just how they live. They're the exception. You know, they're the Keith in our ministry and the Shannon, I'm thinking of those small group leaders, probably two of the best small group leaders I've ever known. And that's because they, they live their whole life a little bit like that. Sure. Most people, most of us are going to meet the expectation we're below it. So if we set it here, that's what we're going to get. If you know, we set it up here, whether it's frequency or even expectation, then we're going to get a higher commitment. I completely agree. Um, now,
0: you have a story about this, about this idea of frequency. And you were at a conference. You kind of tipped me off a little bit beforehand. Tell me just a little bit about this.
1: Yes, we went. We were thinking about going multi-site. I guess it was 13 years ago now. Some of the listeners are like, I was in college. And, um, <laughs> and so we go out to uh, Community Christian Church in Naperville, Illinois. Some listeners may have uh, heard of this church, great church planting church, multi-site church led by Dave Ferguson. And we went to their multi-site practicum. It was a small gathering of churches looking to go multi-site and just, you learn from from them. So it's probably a hundred of us in this little small theater type room and Dave Ferguson, the leader there, is talking about how they do volunteer trainings on a Saturday and what percentage of the volunteers that show up and he just asked the room hey what percentage do you all get at your volunteer trainings and and people are answering they're like 40% you know 50% 30% and then our, our executive pastor who was leading our worship arts ministry too at the time he raised his hand and said 80% and I'm like uh, that's probably true for worship arts because the commitment the expectation is so high there that you get people showing up more. That's not true for our guest services. That's not true for the children's ministry. I wish it was. We're probably fifty sure. percent But that's a skewed like number. Yeah. That's a
0: skewed number, right? Yeah. But the expectation, yep. this comes back to, to what you said. You get what you expect because if you're going to be playing with a band, there's going to be some level mm-hmm. of, 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 of homogeny that you need. I've played in church worship bands. You got to be there, right? And so but that's a false, that's a, that, that number is is kind of false in a sense. Um,
1: yeah, it's kind of like there's not many roles on a worship arts team, at least in our church back then, that were low commitment. They exactly. just didn't exist. It was kind of all or nothing. You know, maybe you could say somebody that's running tech in the back, but they're there too for the rehearsals they and are. the services. And so the bar is high for almost every role there. That's not true for every other ministry in every role.
0: I would agree. And, you know, you and I were joking uh, on the front end where – Where, you know, when we have a training or something like that in a children's ministry context or student ministry context, those who show up probably could have led the meeting for us. Am I right? It's just kind of funny that way. And all
1: the people you needed to be there are missing. It's like, oh, I did this for them.
0: That's exactly right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Do the math. Let's do the math. You have a couple a couple of fun stories here, a couple of fun stats. Why don't you share a list with us a little bit of, and the listeners here. We've talked about frequency, but now the raw kind of uh, uh, bare bones and the guts of the whole thing, right?
1: Yes, when we talk about going to like a, a bigger commitment in terms of how frequently you serve. So if you're leading your children's ministry and people serve every four weeks, well, we're gonna have to do a little math here. So if you hate math, just hang on. We won't. It won't get too complicated. It can be very daunting to think I have maybe you have 60 volunteers and they serve every four weeks. So there's 15 each week. Yes. But maybe you need 20. So you're, you're in every week plugging five holes trying to figure out, you know, how do I get there? Wow. And the idea of ask, asking these volunteers to go to weekly is scary because what if they say no? And if you require it, maybe they quit. Okay, And that's really scary. Like, I'd rather have something like I'll take a warm body like that's generally the approach that we take. But if you go to if you did go to weekly. Right. And you have 60 volunteers, you really need 80 if they're going to serve every four weeks. But if you say, hey, of you, of you, 60, I need you to go weekly. If only 20 of them do it, you're there. The other 40 literally could quit. Nobody wants that. But you'd you'd have a better team than you had before. Right. Because you got 20 every week as opposed to 15.
0: Now, so this is very interesting. I've never, in all of my years, I've never thought about this, that if you are lowering the bar to once a month, automatically that causes the number of people that you have to steward and shepherd and know and care about and coordinate the wonkiness of their schedule. It just exponentially explodes. But if you are calling for a higher level of commitment, you have, it's just less people to manage. I've never in all of my years thought about it that way. It's very interesting.
1: Which, yeah. And ideally we'd have both, right? We'd have 80 weekly volunteers or something like that. And you just have a really you know robust ministry. But, and my experience too, when people make this shift, they don't lose 40 of the 60. They do lose some. And I have one story of a guy that lost every volunteer and he'd still do it again. In a heartbeat. But yeah, you end up with less volunteers, but they're more committed. Now, we don't like it because it's easier to ask somebody to serve once every four weeks. And It's easier for them to say yes. So that's one reason we like every four weeks or every other week. It's also easier to manage when people are out. Like if somebody's going to miss a week on vacation, oh, who serves the opposite week of you? And, and and so that is easier. What you know, a higher commitment's harder in some ways, but it's so worth it. I think. It is.
0: Well, speaking of doing the math, years and years ago, we did this kind of a little bit radical thing because I worked at a, a rather large church, and the radical thing that we did is that we we began to track everybody, and we we called it a slot. And a slot was one service opportunity, right? And so whether you served an hour and a half or whether you served at check-in and it was, you know, a 15-minute little slot, that was a slot. It was fulfilling on one thing. And we tracked the number of slots and then we kind of made a a graph of this. And it, it was very telling. It was telling when you saw people that were serving, wait for it. 96 slots a year. That's a lot of serving, right? That's definitely more than once a week. And of course, my gut told me something's probably wrong. This person's probably burning out. Well, lo and behold, Nick, they weren't burning out. It did help me pastorally reach out to them and go to lunch with them because I saw 96 and I thought, man, I need to check in with them. So that was a positive. And I did. And lo and behold, they were having the time of their life. And, you know, I, I, I termed a new phrase at that point, what I called carrying capacity. This person had a very big carrying capacity. They could carry a lot. Um, and then we saw other trends where over multiple years, and by the way, it was not a simple task to pull off. And over a number of years, we saw some people that began to like, serve and then their service kind of waned a little bit. And so then that was an opportunity to go, okay, so what do we know about their lives that would cause them to have kind of a dip in their opportunity to serve? Oh, wow, they had this, they had that. And then after a couple of years, that was an opportunity for us to see that trend and see and pray about if it was time to invite them to another another level of service. So that was a very big task. Now, you you did this as well, didn't you?
1: I did at my church that I grew up in attending ever since I was 2 years old when I was probably like 22 23 I was invited to be on the church council. Yes. Which uh, the leadership polity of my church was a little vague but there was basically the staff the de- the um, deacons and then this church council. I was an at large member. Uh you know like hey let's get a young person on here you know because that you know the average age of the group was not not very young. And uh, and I served in a bunch of different ways. I bet at the time my wife and I weren't married, but together we probably served 12 hours a week. I mean, we were wow. involved in so many different ministries Very and, involved and caring. And, and we could do that then, you know, just fresh. She was in college I was just out of college. But I said, I want to figure out I feel like we have too many things, too many ministries, too many opportunities. I feel like 20% do 80% of the work, you know, that classic thing. Sure. And so I I, I ran a, kind of a test and I made a spreadsheet with everybody, every ministry opportunity, everybody's name, how many hours they served a week. And there were two things that stood out. Yes, 20% did 80% of the work that that was true. Wow. And then this church of 400 people 400 on a good day with kids had 75 ministries, events, committees, like opportunities to serve. 75 in a church with maybe 350 adults. That's you know a little I mean? bit and overkill. And so yes. if so everything got a little it was a bunch of yeah, little streams it. instead of a few big rushing rivers.
0: Yes, yeah. and so all of a sudden if you did the math 300 or 400 people who were head 300 people of a church of 400 with kids, right? Let's say 350 mm-hmm. had the yep. capacity to serve. Divide that by 75 Tons of people have to be doing multiple things. It's a very interesting thing. But you know, Nick, what I'm encouraged by and what I would encourage others to do is to do the math, honestly, because Mm -hmm. now it wasn't like hyperbole. It wasn't just guesswork. It wasn't you out there saying, you know, 80% and somebody might be like, yeah, that's other churches. I mean, I've had those moments where I thought, now that's not our church. And we did the math and we found out that we were write out that statistic and so you did that and i think people would be i think people would be well served if they did that
1: they would and hopefully they would have more influence than me because nobody really cared see my whole point was subjectively we all feel like we don't have enough volunteers let me objectively show that that's true and why but nobody was willing to give up their ministry or their committee or their thing but you might be able to take this to your leader and hopefully with more influence maybe make some hard decisions. And that's a different version of, of commitment, just having too many things. That's yes. not the same as like how often people serve, like they're different things, but they they both impact how many volunteers you can her- have on in your ministry and how many good volunteers you can have.
0: Yes, and, and, and though it, there is a, a, a correlation between the number of spaces that you have to fill and the number of people, people got to do more than one thing. Therefore, like I don't want people all over the map I want somebody to own that which they are doing. And so if, you know, I I would say having having somebody do one thing really well, though that's not the case all of the time, I think that's probably going to be more more of an advantage. Okay, so how do we make this happen? How do we land this plane? How can we do this idea of expecting or getting people to, to step up? Now, I know there's some barriers uh, and we can talk about those. But h- how, do you, how do you say we do this?
1: Yeah, so we can hit the barriers maybe at the end because I know people push back. They probably are already pushing back as they're listening to this. But to the, the plan that I outline for folks is really a change management plan. You can apply it to almost anything. You know, we're changing this in our ministry. We're going to a new strategy here. We're using a new curriculum. But in this case, getting volunteers to a higher commitment, I, you, you start with a timeline. Like, here I am now. I say look six to nine months out, so I don't you know, recommend making this kind of change quickly because you're not going to have time Agreed. for the other steps that we're going to talk about. So you say six to nine months out, it could be a year out, and you say that's the date when I'm going to draw a line in the sand, and these roles are now going to be weekly roles. They're no longer going to be you know, once a month or bi-weekly roles. And then you start, you gather some leaders. Those people that do carry, have the carrying capacity, they serve. 96 slots or whatever yeah. or, if, or if you have any other volunteers like when you're out on vacation whoever you ask to kind of lead in your place you get them and you tell them you start walk, talking through this plan with them and you get them on board because right. you need that leadership on board right to make this kind of a big 100 that's, that's big and then the the biggest part of it really is that next phase where you meet one-on-one with every volunteer which sounds crazy. Like how in the world do I have time to meet one-on-one with every volunteer? And if you don't get everyone, I mean if you only meet with 90% of them, it's probably enough. And in that meeting, it's more like you had that meeting with the the person that served the 96 slots. How are you doing? What's working? What what energizes yes. you? What yeah, what drains you in your role? It's it's 90% that. And then at the very end, you just, hey, something I'm thinking about is moving to a weekly commitment for this role. And I know that's a big deal. And I just want you to think about that, pray about it, pray with me, because I know this is a a big thing. I haven't decided for sure yet. And you haven't, because you need to know you have the, you know, you have the, the, got the the horses. And you just plant that seed. That's it. You don't ask for the commitment, then you just plant it. And you do make a note of if they respond at all, you make a note of what you think their response is like, yeah, they're going to be on board. They were against this and volunteers will push back. We do not like you raising the bar on us, so most people will say, "Ah, if you do that, I don't know." Like they'll plant, they'll plant another seed. Like if you do that, you're you might lose me. That's okay. Just okay. Take note of it. Okay. So thus and,
0: far, you've built a timeline. You've talked yep. to individual leaders. Uh, to, you've talked to volunteers. Yep. Going to take some key time, leaders. key leaders. But you're also taking notes about how that went, their perception, their vibe their body language. And you're making what I would call anecdotal notes about like, how is this being received? Because this could be a, a telltale. Uh, this could be them tipping the, the hand of the whole church as to how everybody's going to receive this, right?
1: Yeah. And I say, I mean, it's as simple as like they're in, they're out, or they're a maybe, you know, like right. they're probably in one of those three categories. And And even if you're guessing, it's good to put them in one of those categories after you meet. Now don't do it while you're meeting, right? Like, Josh, you're talking. and I'm just over here writing. You know, I'm yeah. not, paying, not looking at you. It's afterwards. Just make a note. You know, like that. I you. think they were in or out, or are they maybe. Yep. And yeah.
0: then, of now, course, and that takes a long yeah, time. It does take a long time, and 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 I can attest to that. I mean, you but you've done this. I have literally done this, and I I actually you know went to make a big change, and lo and behold, I was required by my senior. I came to the senior pastor with five people that I had talked to and and they were all positive about this change. And he sat back and he went, get 50. And so then, you know, he wanted a bigger sampling size. And so I actually ended up getting 75 different families that I had run this idea with. So it does take time. But then those people were kind of marching behind me, right? There's that terrible, but kind of funny saying where it says, if you think you're leading and no one is following son, you're taking a walk. Right. And so when you've when you've spent the time with people, they may be right behind you. Right.
1: Yeah. And the hard thing is, if you do all those meetings, let's go back to my 60 volunteer example I had before. Let's say you get to meet with 55 of them and, you know, you just couldn't get five of them or whatever. If you've only got eight that you feel like are a yes and maybe there's like 10 maybes, you know, and the rest are no. You may need a second round of volunteer meetings, which would just extend the timeline. But you're better off doing that. But here's the great news. If you go back to the math, I need 20. I don't need 20 yeses before I even make draw the Uh, line in the sand. I just need about yeah. Yeah. 15 gets me exactly what I had before. So if I had 12 just from these one-on-one meetings, I'm feeling pretty good. Because you're, you're increasing
0: the level. You don't need 80. If you're going to a model, right? Where you're having once a week
1: volunteers exactly it's like i want 20 a week i've got 15 now if i have all these conversations and i feel like 12 people are saying yes to weekly i'll be fine you know what i mean because i'll be able to get that last few and hopefully get enough to get all the way to 20. and so at that point if you feel you know you're ready to move forward you've got enough i always say if you can get 30 percent of those folks in the in column like you feel like they're in you're probably good to go wow and then now it comes the part where you draw that line in the sand here's the date. We're going to have a big volunteer gathering. It's like we talked about before, you know, you got to try to get as many of them there as you can. And you, you don't tell them what you're going to announce. It's going to be a big change, big announcement. And
0: but when that, somebody says, hey, that what are draws about? that brings the people.
1: Yeah. right? That's right. That's right. It's like uh, my pastor did this years ago with the whole church. He was just going on a sabbatical. and wanted, and, you know, want to be able to announce that to all the volunteers, but he didn't tell them what it was. And, and, and the, the common refrain was when people asked, you know, what, what's going on or, Uh, What are we going to talk about? It was well. You got to show up. Got to show up to find out. You know what I mean? So you can't use that every time. No, you can't. But it's great in this case. Oh well, when it's when it's a big when it's a big reveal
0: reveal. when it's a big reveal, I think you can pull that off. So you get everybody there. It is a big change. It is a big change for sure. Okay, your last one is really, really, really critical. Can you share that with us? When it comes to literally making this happen, your last one is genius.
1: Yeah, I mean you're ready now to actually do it so you pick that date on the calendar it's going to be a volunteer gathering you're going to really sell it there so you talked about it in one-on-one conversations yes and you're going to craft the vision i kind of skipped over that in the beginning early on you're going to craft a vision for why this matters and the answer to that isn't just oh it's easier to have more people every week or it's better like you have to tell stories you've got to cast a real vision of why weekly matters kind of like my story about isaac and chris like you need you want to create those kinds of stories and relationships because it, as At you said, I,
0: I have to interrupt you. It cannot be because this is hard for me as the pastor. I got to tell no, you, man, no, yeah. they don't care. Now I think they do care, but like this they is do. your job. Figure it out. Yep. Yeah. So that can't. Yeah, it has be, to be
1: about the them and about the, the ministry
0: the and the benefit yeah. to the ministry. You're exactly right. Okay, keep going. Thank you for letting me interrupt.
1: Oh, no problem. Exactly. Yeah, because they have to buy into it. And some of that you can plant in the one on one. But again, we're not trying to sell this idea in the one on one meetings. We're more just planting the idea. And then here is where you really sell it. And if you have stories like I would tell stories from my childhood of Terry Bates, who led me and Jeff Schultz, my youth pastor, and Dave Green, who asked me why I hadn't been baptized yet. And and I should have been because I believed And these were leaders that were there every week in my life. And so you cast that vision. And you call for the, the decision right there. You've got a card ready or something where they're going to commit. They're either in or they're out. But those roles, and again, this isn't every role, but those roles are now weekly. Are you in or are you out? And you, and you have them decide right there. And then you follow up afterwards. Obviously, if they say yes, that's one follow up. If they said no, that's a different kind of follow up. But you make that change. And this is where it requires bold, courageous leadership because people are going to want to push back. Yes. You know, like, no, I can't do that. Can I keep serving every other week? You know, you're going to say, and, nah, and I, sorry, this is I got it, and,
0: and that's what I did. And I said, I'm just, I want to let you know, like, consistency, consistency of leadership is a screaming value. And I had laid it out pretty well, right? And there were people who were like, yeah, that's not going to work for us this season. And I said, that is absolutely okay. And we found those that it would Mm -hmm. work for. And some people took a risk with us. And they were like, okay, I'm going to try this. But the last thing that you said is you launch and you don't look back. Let's close off the podcast and the the live today with that. Don't look back. Am I right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, one example, when we we already had weekly leaders in elementary ministry years ago. And when our elementary director... I was talking to a mom named Maggie. She had two boys that were in our ministry for a few years. They were probably like third and first grade at the time. Yes. Uh, Maggie wanted to be a small group leader. And Lisa, our elementary director, told her it's a weekly commitment. And Maggie really pushed to make it every other week. And Lisa wanted Maggie. She knew she was going to be awesome, but she held firm. Even though she didn't want to, everything in in her wanted to give in. And she held firm and said, no, nah, it's not going to work. It's got to be weekly. Yes. And Maggie literally left the room, you know, with her boys for that day. Not upset, but like, yeah, I can't do that. And came back in and said, you know what? I'm going to do it. This has been so big for my boys. I'm going to do this for some other kids, too. And so, you know, you got to be that bold and don't look back. And that is the expectation now. There's no option for, you know, monthly or something like that in yeah. those roles anymore.
0: Yes. And, and I think another thing that's important, Nick, and I'll see what you think about this, because I do believe that consistency is absolutely critical, but another interesting piece to this (coughs) that I'm always a little cautious of is making exceptions, making exceptions for people. And, you know, having this kind of good old boy club where it's like, ah, yeah, well, you know, you're you and, and I'm going to, I, I'm, you gotta be very cautious about that because it just sets the wrong tone and people can get their underwear in a wad pretty quick about that.
1: Yeah. And there's a culture that's set. Like if you have enough exceptions, that is the culture. It's not really the norm anymore. (laughs) And one of the things, one of the things that we didn't talk about is if you get a team of people serving weekly like this, and now the bar is higher, they attract higher capacity volunteers. And this sounds terrible, but they detract lower committed volunteers, like they don't make it because it's like, I can't, I can't, I'm not cut out for this. And a phrase that I love to use, and I encourage people to use is when you're talking to folks, you say this isn't for everyone. Because it's I not. agree. And some people, people who, you know, got that in them, they're gonna say, I think it might be for me, though, like, it's gonna make them say I'm not just anyone. That's right.
0: You know, I think that is a that's a critical line. And what I another one, Nick, that I I have said, and I think this would be another fun interview. The two of us to talk about is one of my all time favorite recruiting lines was, hey, I I want you to feel the freedom to say no. And they're like, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Feel the freedom to say no. You don't have to do this, and there is no pressure from me. However, if you're feeling from God that this is something that you should do, and nine times out of ten people did feel, but I like the idea that this is not for everybody. That screams exclusivity. That screams that you know everybody wants to be that somebody. I think that's a very critical line. I think that's, that's huge. Well, Nick, thank you very, very, very much. Hey, why don't you tell us just a little bit about the ministry that you serve and that you lead?
1: Yeah, so I serve on staff at Community Christian Church, but uh, some friends and I, Kenny Conley and Kevin Monahan, started Ministry Boost on the side to help church leaders just like us. We're big fans of like not starting from scratch as you develop something for your church because we have such little time every week to be able to give to like developing the ministry, right, to working on it. And so Ministry Boost just has courses and resource bundles and a membership where you can get all that included. Uh, to help leaders not start from scratch, but, you know, grow their ministry in less time. And I don't mean grow in attendance. I mean, grow in terms of the quality, like things like this, you know, what things like we're talking is.
0: about today. That's right.
1: Exactly. And you do the same thing. And I love it. I love that we have more organizations like ours doing these kind of things because I don't like starting from scratch either. That's you know, exactly right. I love right. learning from other people. So, yeah,
0: ministryboost.org. MinistryBoost.org. So thankful, Mr. Nick, that you've been. I can't believe this is the first time that we've been. We've well, I've I've been on your podcast before, uh, but yep. but yeah, this is a fantastic conversation, and a lot of things that you said are are just spot on, seasoned, 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 uh, critical, critical conversations, and, and critical opportunities. So, Mr. Nick, thank you so 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 very much for joining us today, and gang, we will join you again on the next one this is josh denhart with lead ministry live as well as the lead volunteers podcast we'll catch you on the next one